Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Hiva. Happy Pride Month. I know that we're halfway through June and it's my first time acknowledging it. I'll be really honest. I was hesitant to say something. I just, I never know what the right move is. Like, I never know. I, like, I don't want to come off like those corporations that throw up a rainbow flag for the month of June and act like they're allies and that's it. And then we never hear anything again. It feels so performative. It feels, frankly, kind of insulting. And then I had a really nice conversation with a friend of mine who's queer. I have a friend who is very good about calling out what I do wrong in a very loving and kind way. I really, really appreciate her in my life. And if you're listening, you know who you are. Thank you. I love you. And we had a conversation. It really wasn't even directly about me, but it was a really good avenue for me to ask. I was like, wait, I haven't talked about Pride Month on the podcast because I didn't know if it's my place to do so as a straight person. And she explained to me, she said, there's a huge difference between what's called rainbow washing, I believe she said, which is, you know, the big corporations that throw up the rainbow flag who are also secretly donating to, you know, the types of politicians who really are not allies, the ones who are, you know, fighting for kind of anti LGBTQ plus legislation, things like that. She said, you know, there's a huge difference between that and an individual or a small business just acknowledging that it's Pride Month. And she said something that really struck me. She said the silence is really deafening. And when she said that, I remembered, you know, I'm Iranian and a few years ago, I don't remember when exactly, but at some point in the past decade or so, Google for the Persian New Year's, which is the spring equinox in the Northern Hemisphere, they, um, you know, how Google will change their homepage for various holidays. On the day of the Persian New Year's, they had their homepage updated to reflect the Persian New Year's. And I remember feeling 
so seen and so included. And then I believe Barack Obama may, may have acknowledged um, the Persian New Year's. That was probably the first president president to do so. And again, it just made me feel so seen. And in that moment, I understood what she meant. Like it's on all of us to speak up, to acknowledge to be allies in various ways, but one of the most basic ways is to just acknowledge that it's Pride Month and say something about it. And as a, you know, largely dating podcast, it's pretty fucked up of me to have taken this long to say something. Again, I explained where I was coming from, but I do want to say it now. Happy Pride. If you are queer and you're listening, I'm so happy to have you. Um, I also, on that note, would love to have more members of the LGBTQ plus community on the podcast. So especially if you're in New York City and you're listening, I would really, really love to have you on the podcast. Please please reach out to me. Even if you're not, reach out Like if you'd be comfortable sharing your story or anything. I just want more representation and inclusivity. Wow, I cannot say that word. Inclusivity? Is that a word? Inclusiveness. Inclusiveness on the podcast. I'm so sorry. I can't speak. I am just falling apart at the seams right now. I'll explain why in a little bit. But yes, please reach out. Would love to have you on. You know, we've made so much progress, I would say, in terms of LGBTQ plus rights in the past decade. I mean, 10 years ago, gay marriage wasn't even legal in most parts of this country. Like, wrap your mind around that. We really have made a lot of progress, but there's a lot more to do. LGBTQ plus people are still being persecuted daily on a global scale. And gay pride is more than just, you know, a march with like rainbows and glitter and unicorns and whatever. It's a fight for equal rights. It's a fight for being treated with respect. It's a fight for being treated humanely. And it's something to keep in mind this month, especially, but truly year round. Um, I just jotted down notes of little ways that we can all be better allies. Um, Number one, Caitlin Bebb talked about this on her podcast episode, I believe. State your own pronouns on your Instagram bio. Share your pronouns, even if you think it's obvious. Just doing that makes it easier for other people to do it also. Um, Call people out when they say homophobic things. And especially, you know, nowadays, I think we have a lot less overt homophobia, but we still have little, you know, jokes, little, uh, you know, like, just little things that people say here and there. And when you hear it, even if it seems like kind of an innocuous joke, it's a really good opportunity to say, hey, that's actually really harmful. And, you know, there are a million ways to joke and maybe don't choose this one. Um, Follow queer content creators. Um, Again, going to plug Caitlin Bebb here. She's amazing. She's great. So many reasons to follow her. Her being queer is just one of the many. But, you know, expose yourself more. And lastly, there are places that you can donate to. Hold on. I have a list. Rainbow Railroad. They help LGBTQI people escape persecution and violence in countries all over the world. 
The Trevor Project Saves Young LGBTQ Plus Youth in the U.S. All Out is a global movement for love and equality. Amnesty International helps advance LGBTQ plus rights. Um, that's a human rights campaign. HIVOS, it's originally a Dutch human rights ca- organization now operating globally. And okay, I lost the last one. Sorry. But yeah, just, you know, some ideas of places you can donate. But really, the easiest ways are just to expose yourself, be inclusive, make it easier for other people to just be themselves. Okay, so I had an interview that I was going to release today. And as I was editing the interview, it just, it felt very heteronormative. Now, the person that I was interviewing is a very well-established and very well-known dating coach, and I was really, really excited that he, you know, wanted to be on the podcast. I was so pumped about it. I had heard him years ago on a very, very, very big podcast, like a top 50 podcast, and you know, I was like, oh my God, he's going to be on my podcast. How cool. But as I was editing it, I was like, ah, it's just so heteronormative. There are so many gender stereotypes in this. And of all the times that I could release this to do it during Pride Month just feels especially not okay. So I decided to scrap the interview and Truthfully, this is going to be a very, very short episode because I have a lot going on in my personal life right now. I'm just going to kind of recap it because I want to say it once and then like I, I just I don't have the capacity to tell the story to every single person that I know. And, you know, it it is so heavy that I feel like I do have to talk about it. It's kind of hard to talk about, but it will explain why. I'm just not very present today. So to tell this, to to explain what happened, I have to backtrack about seven years. In the fall of 2015, my dog was four years old and um, she's a mutt. She has like a little bit of whippet in her. She's always been like a very, very fast runner. And one morning she wakes me up completely out of the blue and she can't stand, she can't walk, she can't jump, she just can do nothing from the waist down. She's like schlepping herself around with her front two legs. And so I obviously freak out. I take her to the vet and the vet, I remember, is like fussing with her. And then she grabs a pair of scissors and cuts into one of her back legs to see if my dog, Samantha, could feel it. And Sam couldn't feel it. And she's like, okay, this is what I thought. And she's like, it looks like your dog is paralyzed from the waist down. Um, I'm calling the best neurologist in this area right now. I'm telling him you're coming in immediately. This is time sensitive. The faster she gets there, the better. They're probably going to do an MRI and then see how to proceed. So I call my mom. This was back when I lived in D.C. She comes and picks me up. We go to the neurologist. The neurologist puts her under, does an MRI, and he's like, listen, 
she's herniated several discs, not just one disc, several discs. There's a tremendous amount of damage. I usually in these scenarios will tell people, you know, an estimate, like a percentage likelihood that your dog will recover. I can't even tell you that. I really do with the level of damage that I'm seeing, I don't see her ever recovering. Having a paralyzed dog is a lot of work. She literally can't even pee on her own right now. You'd have to manually express her bladder. I mean, she's not a small dog. She's like 40 pounds. Like, it's not like I can just carry her everywhere. He was like, I don't know if you want to maybe put her down. And, um, you know, I was in law school at the time. There's no way I could have afforded the surgery. Luckily, my parents were like, absolutely not. We'll pay for surgery. Let's just try. So they do the surgery that day. He called me after the surgery and he's like, the surgery seemed to go well, but only time will tell what happens. She was in the hospital for, I want to say, a week, a week and a half. Fuck, I'm so sorry. Ozzy is in the next room making an insane amount of noise. I don't know if you can hear that. Like, really read the room, dude. Anyway, um, and then when I got her back from the hospital, I remember for the first couple of days, she was really, really down, like, just very mopey, um, just would stay in her bed, not that she could walk or anything anyway. And I mean, it was absolute hell like again I can't really pick up this dog she um also has like no control over her poop because that's what happens when you're paralyzed there's poop everywhere anytime I try to pick her up I'd put pressure on her bladder so there'd be pee everywhere um but I mean most of all just seeing this dog that was so vibrant just be so down it was so hard to see And at night, I would put her on her bed and then I'd drag her bed into my bedroom so that she could still sleep in my bedroom. And I remember the third night when I'm dragging her into my bedroom, she pulled herself off of her bed and she used her front two legs to pull herself all the way into my bedroom, even though she couldn't use her back legs. She just used her front two legs to pull herself in. And from that moment on, that dog did not stop trying until she learned how to walk again. And I mean, in the beginning, she would just try to use her front two paws to lift herself up. But of course, she could do nothing with her back two legs. So she would just fall. And this went on until finally she would like kind of be able to put a little weight on the back two legs, but then like would fall immediately. And I mean, over the process of months, she was in wheels when I would take her out over the process of months she learned to walk again. I mean, it is a true miracle story. It's, I have so many videos of her healing process. If you're interested, I can share them with you. Anyway, once she was all good, the neurologist said to me, he's like, listen, she can walk now, but likely what happened is that she genetically has very weak discs because nothing specific happened to, you know, herniate all those discs. And he's like, you have to be really careful with her. She can't go to dog parks anymore because she can't have like if a big dog were to jump on her, she could herniate another disc. Like you really have to be very, very careful with her from now on. And I have been, you know, I have very low furniture in the house and it's just, you know, the past seven years have been this balancing act of letting her still enjoy her life and be a dog, 
but also keeping her very, very protected. Anyway, this past Wednesday, we were out for just a short afternoon walk, and I look down, and she has picked up her right back leg in the air, and she's kind of like frantically kicking it backwards. And I start freaking out, but the way she was acting, I more thought that maybe something had gotten in her paw. So I called Ozzy immediately, and I was like, hey, um, something's wrong. I need you to come meet us. And so he ran down and we check in her paw, couldn't find anything. I called her vet and they were like, we don't do emergency appointments. You have to take her to the hospital. And so I'm like, okay. So we go to this one hospital. It's like this forever long Uber ride, like bizarre traffic at 3 p.m. in Manhattan. We get there. They put us in a room. And after a while, they're like, we're so slammed right now. I don't like it might be hours before we can see her. I would recommend going to one of these places. So we call somewhere else. And also keep in mind, from that moment, we've been carrying her the entire time. So we haven't really seen her walk at all. And um, we go to this other place where, like, I think there's glass in her foot. She's kind of freaking out. Something's wrong. And so they take her to the back immediately. And they examine her. And they're like, we don't see any glass. I think she's probably good. I don't know. And they, they have her down on the ground. I was like, well, she won't even walk. And they have her down on the ground. They're like, no, she's walking. And the way that she's walking, like her back two legs are crossing over each other. She's like swerving and almost falling. I was like, uh, I'm so sorry. That is not normal. And they're like, oh, is that not her normal gait? Because they knew her history of having been paralyzed before. And so they thought that's just how she walked. And I was like, no, she walks much, much better than that usually. And they're like, okay, this is a neurological event. And so they send us to a whole nother hospital. Now we're going to the Upper East Side. I mean, we've done a tour of Manhattan at this point. And they're like, they have the most neurologists on staff just go immediately. And this is definitely a neurological event. And I just start bawling because my biggest fear for the past seven years is that my dog would get paralyzed again. I mean, when I tell you, those were the hardest months of my life. Like I would not wish it on my worst enemy to have a dog of that size be in pain like that, be embarrassed. I mean, just have no control of her bowels. It's so much work. It's so hard to see. I mean, it is, I remember I like thought I was going to have to drop out of law school because it was so much work. It was so hard. I mean, I, you know, again, she's like too heavy for me. Like I really, it was like, I was a full-time nurse and I didn't really have adequate help. I mean, luckily my parents lived nearby, but they weren't like in my apartment 24 seven. You know, they everyone did their best, but it was really, really hard. And I mean, I love that dog so much. We've been through so much together. And then to top it all off, in the past seven years, well, in the past three years, she's developed a very serious autoimmune situation where her body attacks her white blood cells. And so she's on a very, very powerful immunosuppressant drug. And she nearly died from that also. I mean, this dog is just like constantly facing death. And um, she's on a very powerful immunosuppressant drug. But like, I don't know that she could withstand anesthesia. So like an MRI and surgery aren't really like very viable options. And so, you know, we're riding to the hospital. I'm crying the entire time because I'm like, 
this might be the end. And um, we got to the hospital. Luckily, she's able to see a neurologist immediately. The neurologist examines her and she's like, yeah, it looks like she herniated another disc. We're obviously not going to do an MRI because of her situation. We don't want to put her under anesthesia. And she's like, but she's not fully paralyzed. And our best hope right now is to put her on, quote unquote, what they call strict rest. And that means that for four weeks, she can't get up, walk or anything at all. Um, we, she said you should put her in a crate, which, um, she's never had a crate because when I rescued her, I just signed something that I wouldn't put her in a crate, which is honestly kind of strange because crate training is a very accepted form of training to my knowledge. But so I've never had a crate for her and she's like, okay, like get some kind of fence or something so that she literally doesn't have room to stand and walk. So she just has to be in her bed all day and um, we have to carry her outside for her to use the bathroom. She can walk no more than half a block just to, you know, get her bowels moving or something. And the hope is that with the four weeks of strict rest, her back will recover and, um, you know, the disc will recover and she won't need surgery and, you know, it'll give her the best chance of continuing to live really so yeah I've been dealing with that the past few days um obviously it's been extremely hard I'm really tired Ozzy and I take turns like sleeping on the living room floor next to her so that she's never really alone I spend all day just like on the living room floor next to her little you know gated area that she's in she's on um some codeine she's also on like benzos like anti-anxiety medication to keep her really like sleepy and calm so that she doesn't even really like want to stand or walk which is helpful obviously but it's also sometimes I look at her and I'm like is she really sad or like is she just really high or what exactly is going on I don't know um but yeah what I will say is I'm just so fucking grateful to not be doing it alone this time I mean I'm sorry I'm just crying so much on this episode but to have Ozzy here and helping is just such a godsend it it helps so much he carries her outside I obviously can't really like it's just too much for me she's kind of too heavy for me and yeah I mean he's been working here all day we're really doing it together like as true partners and uh, I'm so grateful to him I'm so grateful to the universe for you know if this was gonna happen again I'm glad that a it's not happened to the level that it was last time and b that I have someone here helping me this time and you know this whole thing is reminding me of a conversation I recently had with a group of my friends from law school where they were saying that they think it's really strange to call your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever a partner and um, they had sent like some bit by some comedian about it and um, in the bit she's like you know what are we like law firm partners And, um, you know, it was a funny joke, whatever. And I was like, you know, actually, I really love the word partner. Like, I don't think it's unsexy. Like, I, number one, 
just really appreciate how inclusive of a term it is. You know, if everyone uses the word partner, then no one is outing themselves when they use the partner word partner. Um, so like I, I like that, uh, number one. Number two, it really, to me, encapsulates what a romantic relationship should be, or at least what I want from a romantic relationship. I won't prescribe what other people should want from theirs, but personally, I want a true partnership. I want to be partners in life. Like I want to, you know, get shit done together, just like the law firm partners, you know, uh, I don't even know, clearly have not been in a law firm in a while. Um, but, you know, law firm partners, you know, get clients together, make money together, just like that. We're getting shit done together. In this scenario, Ozzy and I are, you know, we're keeping this dog alive together. We're really like full-time nurses to this dog right now. I mean, we're partners in that. We're partners in this household. We tackle the cooking, the cleaning, the whatever together I mean we have a bit of a division of labor I do all the cooking he does pretty much all the cleaning but whatever like we're partners like in everything and so I don't know I think it's a really beautiful word and yeah the last thing I have to say on this and then I'm gonna wrap up I'm sorry that it's such a short episode I just I would rather have put something out rather than nothing and um i just really don't have the capacity right now to speak more but yeah the last thing i will say is that this whole thing with my dog samantha has brought out a lot of my own triggers and i've done a lot of journaling and digging on it to figure out what it was because i just knew i was feeling uneasy and agitated and kind of like ready to snap at Ozzy and I was like okay what's beneath this because there's definitely something beneath this and I did a lot of journaling and I realized that my dog right now is really mirroring my own feeling that I've had probably since childhood of feeling like a burden and it's so like it connects to so many things. Even when I think about when I had an eating disorder, there were so many reasons why I wanted to be thinner. I mean, obviously aesthetics was part of it, but honestly, part of it for me was that I felt like the less I weighed, the less of a burden I was on this planet. So the less I weigh, the less space I take up. The less I weigh, the less, you know, uh, fuel is required on an airplane to carry me. I mean, I literally just have always had this like fear of being a burden of imposing and it hits on so many levels. And so I think sometimes difficult times show you where there is still work to do, like a really nice silver lining of something really traumatic happening in your life is that it'll bring up some core wounds. And once you're aware of the core wounds, you can better work through them. So no matter what you're going through right now, everyone's dealing with something. See if you can help it help see if you can sorry none of my words make sense I'm so drained see if you can use the difficult thing that you're going through to help you identify your core wounds 
So I'm going to leave you with that. Actually, I'll leave you with one last thing, which is so random. Um, in this interview that I'm not releasing, at the beginning of it, I had the hiccups. And um, the person I was interviewing gave me a tip for hiccups. It worked for a minute, but then it stopped working. I had the hiccups like on and off for two days. I was really losing my mind. And I did a ton of research into hiccups. And I found one thing that I think works without fail. When you get the hiccups bite into a lemon or have some vinegar or something, something super, super sour. Now, this isn't like all the other old wives tales. This is rooted in science. Apparently, the sour taste does something I can't remember, but it's something with the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve is connected to the hiccups. So I think it like shocks the vagus nerve or distracts it or something so that you stop hiccuping. So um, like I said, I got the hiccups like 25 times over the course of two days. And um, once I found the lemon trick, they went away for good. I did still get them back another three times, but the lemon, like I just bit into the lemon and um, within minutes of tasting, you know, the acid, the hiccups would go away. And then after doing that like two or three times, I just stopped getting the hiccups. So yeah, a lot of stuff here. Happy pride. Um, you know, if you're religious or spiritual in any way, I'd really appreciate it if you could keep my dog in your thoughts and prayers. And um, I love you guys. Thank you for listening. If you got the hiccups, try lemon or vinegar works also. And yeah, keep in mind that your difficult times can help you have more healing in the long term. So love you guys. Um, it feels so weird to say rate, review, subscribe, but seriously, if you could take a few minutes to just leave a nice review for the podcast, it really, really does help. <sighs> That's it. I'll be back with a full proper episode next week. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.